0: Welcome to the Plant Powered Life Podcast. So today we're going to be talking about overcoming sugar addiction. Do you really need to overcome sugar addiction? So we're going to kind of delve into all the nuances of sugar addiction because I know a lot of people believe that they struggle with this. So you've probably read all the articles about how sugar lights up pleasure centers in the brain, just like heroin or cocaine. And therefore, they conclude that it is as addicting as illegal drugs and should be avoided at all cost. So as you're reading these articles, you start to think about your own behavior around sugar. And it kind of confirms this idea that sugar is addicting. And so you start trying to restrict sugar intake or completely avoid it at all costs. And the cravings become so strong that maybe you might not be able to continue resisting and you give in and you binge and or you overeat on sugar and you feel sick and you don't feel well and so then your resolve becomes stronger that yes sugar is addicting it needs to be avoided and on and on and on and maybe you need to come overcome a sugar addiction or maybe not so let's look into this whole idea of what sugar addiction is so the cycle of trying to overcome sugar addiction continues on and on and on and on, and so many people struggle with this. But I want to be a voice of reason, a voice of rational thought instead of a fear who promotes some kind of restrictive dietary regime. So if sugar lights up pleasure centers in the brain, doesn't that mean it's as addicting as cocaine? The short answer is no. There's a long list of things that light up pleasure centers in the brain or cause dopamine release in the brain that we don't try to avoid like the plague. So for example, listening to music releases dopamine. Dancing, kissing, hugging, exercise, sex, bananas actually, sports, reading, surfing the internet, liking something, spending time with loved ones, eating, and the list goes on. So maybe we should just stop all these things. Maybe you should just stop eating altogether. Or don't ever play sports. Or don't ever read. Don't ever get on the internet. Don't hug somebody. Don't spend time with loved ones because heaven forbid that stimulate pleasure, pleasure centers in the brain, right? We certainly don't want that. Or do we? So we have a pleasure and reward system in our brain for a reason. These reactions in our brain help us seek out things that perpetuate survival and even just make us happy food in general stimulates pleasure centers in the brain because you need it to survive so it's not a bad thing now sugar is a little bit different than just food in general but we'll get into that in a little bit later i also want to point out really quickly that mother's milk contains an addictive substance called caseomorphines that stimulate pleasure centers in the baby's brain The reason that milk contains casomorphines is to make eating pleasurable for the baby. And that ensures that the baby wants to continue eating and the baby survives. So the fact that mother's milk has mildly addictive substances in it that perpetuate, stimulate pleasure centers in the brain doesn't mean baby shouldn't drink milk. (laughs) Um, It also doesn't mean they're going to become raging milk addicts. Okay. So. Obviously, when we're speaking about illegal drugs like heroin or cocaine, this is totally different than um, natural things like hugging someone or eating. These drugs hijack the body's natural pleasure centers and overload the circuit board, so to speak. So it's like overload. And this is where you get a true addiction. This is not the case for normal activities like foods or even processed food does not do this same thing. So we can't compare sugar to cocaine addiction. And honestly, I think if you asked an addict or someone who had been through trying to overcome a true addiction to drugs or alcohol, um, they may find this idea that sugar is addicting as the drug that they're addicted to slightly offensive because it just isn't the same thing. So what is the clinical definition of a physical addiction? It is a physical dependence on a substance that results in increased physical tolerance for the chemical substance with accompanying strong experience of withdrawal symptoms when an individual stops using the chemical. So for let's let's think about this for a minute. So when you try to go off of sugar, so to speak, you try to stop eating sugar. What physical withdrawal symptoms do you experience other than maybe cravings? I'm probably willing to bet you don't experience any negative withdrawal symptoms from sugar. But let's look at what some drug withdrawal symptoms are. Night sweats, restlessness, shakiness, clammy skin, nausea, vomiting, severe agitation, delirium, self-harm is common, uh, insomnia, being disoriented, mental confusion, dilated pupils, and the list goes on. So drug withdrawal is a physically painful and intense experience that does not in any way, shape, or form resemble that of not eating sugar anymore. Some individuals say that several hours after they eat sugar, they feel a little lethargic or they have low energy. They may also state that when they eat sugar, they feel a little jittery or unwell when they eat sugar. These symptoms are not the result of a drug-like effect. They are the result of a mild level of insulin resistance generally. So, most people report feeling much better when they reduce their sugar intake, which is never the case with an actual drug. When you first go off of an actual drug, you don't just automatically feel amazing and feel better. The reason that you're addicted to that drug is because you feel better when you take it and the withdrawal symptoms are so difficult that you, you continue to have an addiction to it. It is a physical addiction which is not the case with sugar. So I just want you to realize that within the scientific literature, um, sugar and illegal drugs is not the same thing. The addiction is not the same thing. The same things are not happening in the brain. Yes, you are getting stimulation of the pleasure centers in your brain with sugar, but it is just simply not the same as what is happening with um, cocaine. So I want to point out really quickly, you have sugar in your blood 24-7. All day long, every single day, you have sugar in your blood and it needs to be there. It doesn't matter if you eat a diet with zero carbohydrates. Your body still has to maintain 70 to 100 milligrams per deciliter of glucose in your blood at all times. This prevents fainting, coma, and even death because there are cells in your body that cannot function without glucose. So where does the blood glucose come from if you are on a low carbohydrate diet? In the beginning, your body uses glycogen stores. But once those glycogen stores are depleted, the body then generally goes to skeletal muscle. Now, I know you've probably heard uh, from low carbohydrate or keto diet promoters that dietary fat is converted into glucose. However, in the scientific literature, they thought that would happen and the body's capable of doing that. But in the scientific literature, when they actually did research on high fat meals, so they had the people fasting for, um, it's kind of like an intermittent fasting situation where they're fasting a long period of time and then all night and then have a late breakfast of a very high fat meal in the morning, Um, their blood sugar levels only rose by three milligrams per deciliter, so a tiny little bit. So it was not converting the fat into glucose like they thought it would. And so this idea that we can doesn't mean it actually converts into a real life situation. And in the scientific literature, it just did not. If you would like to see those studies, which there's more than one, I would be happy to send them to you. if you want to go on my website and contact me. But anyway, let's move on. So where is it getting the glucose from then if it's not converting it from the fat in your diet? In general, it's coming from skeletal mus- muscle or proteins in your body. So the starvation mechanisms in your body jump into overdrive when a low carbohydrate, very low carbohydrate diet or keto diet um, starts to occur and glycogen stores are depleted. This prevents you from dying because you don't have adequate protein primary fuel, which is carbohydrates or glucose. So your blood sugar levels remain constant no matter what you're eating. But muscle tissue is a finite resource, which means we only have so much of it. And it's not an ideal source for blood glucose. So when we consume carbohydrates, the metabolic waste produced by burning carbohydrates is carbon dioxide and water, which Is very clean burning fuel but when we start breaking down muscle tissue and other things to try to make glucose in the process of gluconeogenesis there are a lot of metabolic waste that is produced ketones and acetones and a lot of um uh, a lot of things that are really hard on the kidneys and it is also the body knows we only have so much muscle tissue we've got to conserve energy So um, anyway, what happens is the metabolic processes start to slow down to conserve energy. And there's a whole cascading metabolic adaptations that happen to slow things down. When they talk about the keto flu, what they're really saying is the body's metabolic processes haven't slowed down um, yet in this face of what's called a starvation mimicking diet, actually. Um, And so you don't feel well. You don't have any energy. You can't think straight. And then when your body's metabolic processes start to slow down a little bit, you start to feel a little bit better. This doesn't mean it's healthy. It's just your body kind of adapting to a starvation situation. Your stress hormones raise. That gives you mental clarity. That gives you energy so that you can get to an actual food source. That's what's supposed to happen in a time of famine. If you just felt like the keto flu all the time, you would never get to a better source of food and you would die. So this is why you feel so great. It's stress hormones that are doing that to you. So anyway, let's get back to the topic at hand. White sugar consumption does the same thing as any other carbohydrate food you eat. It's broken down, provides glucose or sugar, and provides fuel for the body. Glucose or sugar is not a foreign substance to your body. Your body knows exactly what to do with it. Am I saying that sugar is good and healthy and we should just eat plain sugar? No, I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is your body actually does know what to do with it. It isn't some foreign substance that's so crazy. So the diet industry literally has run amok with the research showing that sugar stimulates pleasure centers in the brain like cocaine. But what they forgot to tell you is... So does a laundry list of other things and foods and behaviors that we eat or do every single day. The diet industry jumps on every bandwagon possible to create a new diet plan, a new strategy, a new book, a new way to profit – off of your desire to lose weight. It is a multi-billion dollar industry. Of course, they want to come up with new things. The problem is there's no sanity, no rational thought behind their rants. It's just fear-mongering in the hopes of raking in another dollar. So it makes you afraid of something. So if sugar isn't addicting, why do you feel addicted to it then? So another scientific study, again, I have... The resources for this. If you would like them, contact me on my website. So researchers actually found that rats only binged on sugar when it was only intermittently available. When it was available all the time, they didn't binge or overeat on sugar. So it was just an interesting thing that because you've heard that it stimulates the brain like cocaine, where if there was cocaine always available, they would continue to keep, you know, getting it. So there are two types of people when it comes to sugar. There are those people who can eat a half a cookie, feel satisfied, and walk away from it. And there's, there are those who start out thinking they'll eat one cookie and end up eating five or the whole box or whatever that case may be for you. So what's the difference? Those can, who can eat half of the cookie and walk away are those who do not have a chronic past of dieting and restrictive eating. They are not on the latest low-carb, paleo, sugar-free diet craze. They eat what they like. They eat normally. They don't restrict food. They don't feel a need to binge on sugar because they can have it anytime they want. There's no fear of deprivation. The body, they aren't overly hungry when they're eating. They're not skipping meals. And so it isn't this, this is the last time I'm going to eat this, or I haven't had sugar in three weeks, and it tastes so good I can't stop. You don't have this intermittent, crazy, overly hungry, binge starve situation going on. Those who can't stop eating sugar are those who have a past of restrictive eating and dieting. Um, Usually it's a chronic past of low-carbohydrate dieting, a past of severe calorie restriction... A passive using cardio as a weight loss method, method that's another one. You're going to find that you crave sugar a lot when you have overexercised. If you go do an hour of CrossFit or very high intensity type cardio, you're going to find that if you're not fueling your body well enough with for that kind of exercise, you're going to crave sugar um, because your body needs a, it. needs that fuel. Uh, you may have an unhealthy relationship with food or a fear of sugar, and so you keep restricting it and then overeating on it. So the research is crystal clear on this. The more you restrict, the more likely you are to have episodes of binge eating. When you stop restricting and dieting, binge eating begins to lessen and your eating patterns return to normal. Um So there was, I just want to reiterate, so there is this study out there that a lot of news outlets have kind of clung on to saying that sugar is as addicting as cocaine, but there was actually a researcher that came out and said that is not what this research showed at all. This was misinterpreted and the media ran with it like wildfire so, if you want to see the article where that researcher kind of explains why that's not what the research showed, let me know. Again, I can always show you any of these so that you can read it for yourself. But sugar is really not your problem. It's your restrictive eating, your over-exercising, relying on cardio. Um, that type of behavior is really what the problem is. So the reason that I know that this is true is my personal experience when. Um, I was at my lowest adult weight when I was 36 years old and I was a size one and I had a healthier version of a chocolate chip cookie, a vegan chocolate chip cookie every single night after dinner. And I just had one. I didn't eat all of them. I didn't have an issue with it. I just had one every night. I enjoyed them. I made them out of almond butter, maple syrup, applesauce, oats, like they were healthier chocolate chip cookies, but, I loved them. I enjoyed them. And I did just fine. I was a size one. I was perfectly fine. But I got this idea in my head that sugar was bad. I needed to stop eating it. I needed to stop doing this and go on a sugar-free diet. And I tried. And you know what happened is that binge and restrict cycle started and I couldn't only eat one cookie anymore. If I made cookies on a rare occasion, I I would become out of control with them. And so what I started to realize over the years of this experience is that it wasn't really the sugar that was the problem. I could eat it normally when I wanted to, when I wasn't restricting and trying to diet and skip meals and all of that. So as soon as you stop that diet mentality and you just start living your life, eating foods that you love, your addiction to sugar will start to subside, especially if you stop um, restricting carbohydrates. And I know that can be scary for a lot of people. And I'm going to have all kinds of podcasts, YouTube videos, and all of that on carbohydrates and eating them and how to come off of a low-carbohydrate diet or a keto diet and um, not run into weight gain because that will happen. Like I said, your metabolism has been slowed because of restrictive dieting or low-carbohydrate dieting you don't have any glycogen stores or may have low glycogen stores so that needs to replenish so there are a lot of factors that come into play when we go back to eating a natural whole food plant-based diet Uh, a lot of people struggle a little bit in that transition and think that the carbs are making them fat when in reality their body is just um, water is rebalancing glycogen stores are filling in that kind of stuff so sometimes you need a little bit of help Please reach out to me if you would like to have some private coaching on how to transition to a whole food plant-based diet and eating a healthy abundance of carbohydrates and all of that kind of stuff. I That is my specialty, so I would love to work with you. Please re- reach out to me if you're interested in that. Um, I know it's really hard to let go of control. Like We always want to feel like we have control, and you're, you feel like you're going to be out of control if you ate a cookie or something like that. But that's not the case if you do this properly in fact most people can enjoy a wide variety of healthy foods and choose those along with a small portion of other foods they enjoy so this is kind of my philosophy of eating i feel like if you honor yourself you love yourself you honor yourself with your eating and your diet you generally choose healthy foods fruits and vegetables and whole grains and potatoes and sweet potatoes or whatever of those foods that you love you don't have to eat kale if you hate it you don't have to eat sweet potatoes if you hate them but just whatever out of healthy whole foods that you love you eat but you don't have a problem with going out and having a a brownie or making some cookies on a special occasion and enjoying that small portion of foods that you enjoy And it really is up to you, whether you do, whether you don't, how you design your diet, but it really needs to be something that's satisfying to you, that you enjoy, that you love, and that's something that you can do for the rest of your life. There's no diet or self-mastery book, plan, or program out there that is going to make restriction work for you. Restriction just doesn't work. And it isn't going to work for you to follow someone else's diet rules, So you may see a social media influencer that eats a certain very restrictive diet and they're thriving and they're lean and they look amazing and they eat a lot of food and, and it looks great, but that may not work for you. It depends on what climate you live in. If she lives in a warm climate and she's drinking a lot of juices and eating a lot of raw foods and you live in Canada and it's cold for eight months out of the year, that may not work for you. And it depends on your genetics and all kinds of things, how that works. And so it really does need to be something that you just love to do. Foods that you just love to eat, how you love to be. And that's what really makes it it work. Healing your relationship with food and then you heal this addiction to sugar. You have to stop the fear of carbohydrates. You have to stop the fear of eating until you're satisfied and following your body's cravings if it's craving sugar it's telling you i need carbohydrates i need fuel that's what it's telling you and so that instead of saying okay i'm going to go eat a cookie or an oreo what you need to do is go okay my body's craving sugar that means i didn't eat enough carbohydrates for fuel today so tomorrow i'm going to have oatmeal or i'm going to have potatoes or whatever beautiful carbohydrate foods that you love And you're going to find that those cravings diminish um, exponentially. So hopefully this podcast was helpful to you for you to kind of understand this whole problem of what we call sugar addiction. If you have any questions, uh, please let me know. You can follow me on Instagram, YouTube, all the social media platforms. Ask me questions, engage in the dialogue. I would love to hear from you. And I will... See you next time.